Unravelling the six-million-year-long story of where we came from is a really tricky business because paleontologists have to rely on scarce, precious fossil remains that are hard to access and even harder to find in the first place. And there's a limit to what pieces of bone and teeth can reveal about our ancestors. But, occasionally, serendipity affords us a special glimpse into our past, like it did in Lytoli, Tanzania where a nearby erupting volcano captured the footsteps millions of years ago of a group of Australopithecines. In the previous episode of the eLife podcast, we heard from Marco Cherin, who's recently uncovered more of these fossilised footprints and made some even more surprising discoveries about our ancient relatives. In this special podcast, we hear the whole story. We discovered new human-like footprints dated at about uh, 3.66 million years in the known site of Lytoli in northern Tanzania. Lytoli is one of the most important paleoanthropological sites in the world for two reasons. One is because of the discovery in the 70s of some very well-preserved fossils of human ancestors, Australopithecus safarensis, the same species as the famous Lucy. The second reason is the discovery of the earliest human-like footprints in the world, dated at 3.66 million years, by Mary Leakey. Mary Leakey's discovery composed three different individuals walking in the same direction. We discovered just one year and a half ago two more individuals walking on the same surface. First of all, just set the scene for us and tell us what the Latoli site where you've been working looks like to an observer. The Latoli site today looks like African savanna. It is included within one of the most amazing protected areas in the world, the Ngorongoro Conservation Area. But today, this is really a, a you know a rough place, uh, rich in dust and acacia trees and bushes and shrubs. But sometimes in this savanna environment, a very, very peculiar rock can outcrop. And this rock is a hard volcanic ash in which the footprints were preserved. So these individuals, whoever they were, went walking across some freshly fallen dust from a volcano left these impressions behind, how did they then get preserved so that you could come along 3.66 million years later and dig them up? The the preservation of fossil footprints is very rare. In that case, a near volcano was erupting several times in a few days. The ground was completely covered by this fine ash. But uh, the other and fundamental thing is that we were in the beginning of the rain season. Some rain fell down on the ground. The ground was soft. Hominids and other animals were uh, walking on this soft surface. Immediately after another volcanic eruption covered the surface with new ash. And how did you come to stumble upon these tracks that these extremely famous people managed to not find 30 or 40 years ago? The tracks was, uh, were discovered by our Tanzanian colleagues 
who were working in the Lightoli area for a landscape impact assessment because the Tanzanian government wanted to build a new field museum, you know, to bring tourists to have a look. So Professor Masao were uh, digging 50 or 60 test pits to evaluate the possible impact of this new building. And during these digging activities, he discovered the new printed surface. And when you look at these footprints, what can they tell you about the individuals that made them? Because one thing we know, if we look at humans who walk on the beach, we can tell quite a bit about the size, stature, speed and so on of movement of the person who leaves footprints behind. So what can we learn about these ancestors of ours who left the footprints? Footprints are very interesting tools in paleontology because they can tell you much more things than simple bones. In our case, the human-like footprints from Laetoli, we can say that they uh, were part of the same social group because the footprints were printed exactly on the same geological layer. The second thing is about the pattern of locomotion of these very, very ancient ancestors was not so different from Homo sapiens, so our own species. So this is a very interesting evidence of functional bipedalism in very, very ancient hominids. What about the potential size, the proportions of the individuals that made them? What can you learn about that? We were really, really shocked when we cleaned the new trackway because it is composed by very, very long footprints. So we can expect that the owner of this feet was a tall individual. And we, we found that one of our new individuals could reach the, the stature of something like 1.65, 1.7 meters, comparable to modern humans. Isn't that significantly taller than we had thought? Yeah, normally we thought that these ancient human ancestors were tiny creatures. In other paleontological sites in Africa, we had some proofs of larger individuals, something like fragmented bones. But for the first time, we have the first sure independent evidence of the occurrence of individuals with very high stature. In the same site, we have individuals with different size. And this is one of the most important novelty of this work. We have tall individuals and we have also tiny individuals for the first time in the same place at the same age. Now, do you think that these are children versus grown-ups or are you suggesting that in the same way that if I go and measure the height of someone in Japan and compare them Mm -hmm. with a strapping great Russian or someone from the US I'm going to find a very big diversity in population size? Uh, You know the traditional view of the of the Laetoli trackways after the Merilikis discoveries they thought that they have one male one female and one juvenile individual one kid. In our case, we have found the tallest individual and the second individual we we found was uh, intermediate in size. So I can say that we have three size classes at Lightoli. So we have the 
tallest individual, which is probably a male. Then we have two or three intermediate individuals, probably females. And then we have one or two small individuals, which were probably juveniles. So we can reconstruct probably uh, a social group composed both by males and females. Interesting that there's sexual dimorphism, a difference in the sizes of the sexes yeah. even then. But you're, you're saying and expressing surprise that these individuals could be quite as tall as they were. We know that as the human lineage evolved, it went through phases of being very big. I mean, 300,000 years ago, these people would have made a basketball player look like a dwarf, wouldn't they? And then they <laughs> shrank again to our modern proportions. We also know mm-hmm. that individuals in the sort of Australopithecine lineage from a couple of million years ago were actually quite small. So are you suggesting yeah. then that perhaps they, they started off big, they shrank a bit, and then they ultimately expanded, and, and then they've shrunk again to become us? Yeah, we think that hominin stature did not change in a linear pattern, but changed very many times during time. And probably it was only related to environmental conditions in the different localities, as it happens today. So in some places in the world, you can find very tall individuals. In other places, you can find small and thin individuals. It depends on the climate and the environment in which humans live. So I think that the same goes for our ancestors, including Australopithecines. 